Hey, Chloe. Hey, Raph. How are you going? Freaking awesome. How are you? <laughs> Why am I not surprised? Um, I'm good. I'm better than I was this morning. I just, you know, had a bit of a, I think it's good to be honest, had a pretty of a crappy, <laughs> bit of a weird night's sleep. We've just gone into a snap five-day lockdown in Melbourne, which is very new to me. Mm. It's obviously like, you're like, all the Melbournians are like, oh, five days, it ain't anything <laughs> compared hey, to last year. How are you enjoying it so far? <laughs> well, I felt a bit unsettled last night and uh, I live on um, a street that runs directly to a big shopping centre and last night it was just this constant procession of cars. It was this really weird energy like to the point I kind of went and stood out at my front gate and kind of just took it in. It was a bit weird. It was oh, yeah. it was really people, like – People it was pushing a, shopping trolleys full of toilet paper down the road. It was a full on – yeah, like there was a lot of activity. I was like, oh, yeah. okay. Well, five Wait, days is a uh, long time, especially <laughs> considering the supermarkets are open for the whole time. <laughs> So then I was like, okay, so I had a weird sleep and then I'm like, okay, well, you know, how do I know how to self-regulate regulate my mood and how I'm feeling? Well, I got up and I went for a run and I felt great. Awesome. I went for a run. I got a did coffee. You, did you pick up a few dozen extra toilet papers just in well, case? Well, no, because I calmly went into the IGA that's around the corner from me, which was still fully stocked with av- absolutely everything you could ever want and just got a handful of things for the day <laughs> because there's plenty of things. But what about, uh, the, what about the coming zombie apocalypse? Oh, yeah, I think that there was a bit of an unfair panic and a weird vibe created unnecessarily. But anyway, who am I? I'm not going to judge. But anyway. Come on, let's face it. We are judging. Come on. (laughs) Well, you know what? All I know is that I will just just deal with my own stuff. And my own stuff was, yeah, I did have a weird shitty night's sleep, but – a run, you know. Then it's. I think it's great to have mm. to know that to know your things that that reset you, right? Yeah. So what can I do that that will fill my cup? Well, I've had a shitty night's sleep, so we know that that kind of depletes me. Well, how can I counteract that with something that's going to give me that energy and make me feel better? And mm. exercise, oh, funny that yeah. exercise is like instantly I felt better, and uh, then I went and taught a great a great lecture for our incredible uh, January twenty one crew. That's awesome. They learnt, they learnt uh, it was their first lecture on Reformer today, so that's always really exciting and we uh, we did footwork through to front rowing. Awesome. So, yeah, so it was great. Lots of curious, curious questions and enthusiasm and, you know, energy and I was like, yeah. oh, it's you great. guys rock. You get great energy from teaching. And, and Rav, the fact that we are 100% online and we are set up with all this incredible technology that yeah okay i am based in melbourne and we have gone into you know and so shaman and so is you and so is Heath, and we have gone into a snap uh full lockdown and we can still deliver high quality high quality education without any any bloop yeah business business as usual um and that really helped me too because i was like it like it just felt good that it was business as usual like that was very um grounding for me yeah. after that yeah so it's, it's, i think that's fantastic awesome yeah so um yeah. Uh, good. you know what have we got to talk about today segue into some what's in our dms mm. first yeah okay cool so we've got a um a great question here so this is actually from one of our, our new uh, Jan crew, which is fantastic. Um, hi, Chloe. I've just started listening to Pilates Elephants and am loving it. I'm 40 and a runner and martial artist. That's cool. Um, and into Pilates. Uh, after listening to podcasts on course ability, root cause so, sounds like Sounds like this person's got a lot in common with you, Chloe. Yeah, running. Yeah, mm. I'm, 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 I, I must admit I haven't done any martial Art, but I am, uh, Shaman and I are talking about going to our adult gymnastic classes mm-hmm. together once, once lockdown's done. So that's going to be really fun. Um, okay. After listening to the podcast on course stability, root cause fallacy, I'm interested to get your thoughts on hip dysplasia and pain felt in lower back. Is this a fallacy? Is hip instability not a thing with hip dysplasia? 
Um, I have it and I also have back pain, uh, but it doesn't stop me from doing what I do, which is awesome. Really enjoying uh, you and Raf. You guys helped me smash 20 kilometers today. Awesome. 20 kilometers. 20 kilometers. I've just taken that in. What? That's 12 miles if you're in America. 20K. Amazing. Oh my gosh. So this is Emily, our listener, our listener and student Emily. Emily 20 you're kilometers. Awesome. Emily, holy hell. 20k. That makes my uh, my morning run look like a little shuffle around the block. <laughs> hey, um, wow. So uh, we took the liberty of looking up this one just before we went on air. Uh, and a bit of a Google search, Google Scholar search uh, turned up this paper. So basically, hip dysplasia um, is where people are born with congenital, which means just like it's you know you're born with it, um, mm-hmm. shallow hip sockets. So um, that's one of the things that they typically test for in newborns. Uh, and uh, if um, the, if if present, the problem is for some babies that their hips can dislocate or sublux, which means to partially dislocate um, mm-hmm. fairly easily. So um, dysplasia just means basically shallow hip sockets that you're born with. Um, and so we found this paper called The Natural History of Developmental Dysplasia of the Hip, a Meta-Analysis of the Published Literature. And it's from 2008 by uh, Zeigler et al. And we'll link to it in the show notes. And uh, what it basically says is that uh, for um, in early trial, I'm going to read from the conclusions now. In early mm-hmm. childhood, dysplasia with subluxation or dislocation necessitates treatment. Otherwise, the spontaneous course leads invariably to osteoarthritis of the hip. However, a stable, well-centered dysplastic hip has a high potential for developing as a physiologic joint, which means just developing into a normal hip that's not dysplastic. In the analyzed data, an association between mild or moderate dysplasia after the end of growth, and the development of osteoarthritis could not be demonstrated. The level of evidence of existing data is not sufficient to determine that persisting mild dysplasia is a relevant etiopathological factor for osteoarthritis of the hip. Um, So basically what that means is that uh, in early childhood, if if there is a dislocation or subluxation, so in other words, if the hip kind of partially or fully dislocates as a result of the dysplasia, then surgery is a good plan. Um, because if in those cases where there is a subluxation or dislocation, if you don't get surgery, then it's you know very, very likely to lead to osteoarthritis of the hip later in life. However, mm. if it doesn't lead, if there's no subluxation or dislocation in early childhood, then there's no need for surgery. And basically the hip is very likely, overwhelmingly likely to just develop into a normal hip or in other words, you grow out of it. Um, And uh, there's no evidence that in adulthood, like after the growth, after the skeleton is fully mature, that um, even if a mild or moderate dysplasia persists that it's related to osteoarthritis. So um, basically the way I, I interpret that, uh, Emily, is if you know if you if you didn't dislocate as a as a baby or young child, uh, there was no indication for surgery and you've almost certainly grown out of it. Um, and if if you have had a scan, you know, in adulthood, like after you've reached skeletal maturity from the age of kind of like 21-ish, um, and, you know, it showed still um, some level of dysplasia, well, it's nothing really to be concerned about. And it's probably, you know, probably, um, I guess I would put it sort of on the, you know, you've got a hip socket on the shallow end of normal, you know, mm, um, right. rather than thinking about it necessarily as a pathology because it doesn't seem to be associated with any particular ill effects. And so is it related mm. to back pain? Almost certainly not. You know, it's mm. just one of those things you happen to have a hip dysplasia. And I don't know if you still have it because you might've had it diagnosed when you were like just born. And now 40 years later, maybe you don't have it. Or maybe it, maybe it was diagnosed when you were adult and you still have some level of it, but it's just like, it's just a coincidence probably that you've got that plus back pain. Just like, you know, if you had an ingrown toenail, it would probably have about as much relationship to your hip dysplasia as your low back pain mm. has to it. Mm. And and it sounds to me like you're really, you're really fit 
strong and yeah, I mean, 20Ks, Emily, is incredible. Like I'm just still blown away by your 20K run. So yeah, you're doing awesome. Yeah. Doesn't sound mm. like your hips, you know, sounds like your hips are working just fine. Mm. Mm. Keep running, being, keep being awesome. Yeah. All right. Great question. Yeah, great question. Okay, so that's all. That's all the that's all that I've got in my in mm. in, the, in the DM box this week. All right. Well, um, but it got a lot of positive. Actually, but a heap of positive feedback for our last episode, uh, which was on stretching. Huh. So yes, that seemed to be really positive. Uh, well, if you if I, you really liked it, go up on iTunes and write, give us a five star review, and write about write us a little review as well. We'd love that. We, We'd really appreciate it. We do it. love that. We do love that. And thank, I just want to say a personal thank you to all I really got inundated with support um, of my personality. <laughs> yeah. You've got a great personality. I got, it was, but it was so gorgeous. I've like got so many DMs of people just saying, hey, we love you because you're you and, and yeah. that's why we listen and whatnot and just keep being you and thank you for saying that and, yeah. So I just want you know, to say thank you, guys. You know <laughs> so what? sweet. You know what elephant I'd like to talk about? What? Well, I'd like to talk about that elephant. I'd like to talk about the elephant that in in the Pilates industry and, you know, I think probably in every every walk of life people feel this, but – that you have to not be yourself. You have to be like, quote, professional or polished or wear the right colour leggings or, you know, have your hair tied back in a straight light brown bun or something, yeah. you know, like to, instead of you just being – want to talk about that elephant now or yeah. talk about the elephant? Oh, we're gonna... I want to talk about you that one. Swift, you just swift, switched elephant topics on me, Ralph. Yeah. Well, I <laughs> don't know. Fly? You told me about – you just told me about the DMs. Now, now you got and me. And now you're – Okay. Well, cool. That, that just pops another another elephant up our sleeve. Anyway, okay. Well, this is totally this is this is on the on the fly. This is elephants on the fly. Yeah. Well, you know, it's in, you know, it's it's it's. I guess it's it's in, very in, intriguing to me that this podcast has, you know, hit such a kind of a vein with a lot of people. Like we're up to like twenty thousand plus downloads now. Um, after doing this, <laughs> blows my mind. I'm still the emoji with the head exploding. Yeah, and that and that's you know that's we literally have not done thing number one to market this podcast. We haven't spent one single cent on anything. We don't have sponsors. We don't you know like we just we just record it and then we whack it up on iTunes and some people seem to like it and download it. So, um, you know, so it it feels to me like you know the what we're doing that is valuable probably comes on two levels one is like we're saying the things that a lot of people are kind of thinking or questioning but I've to feel afraid to to ask mm. or question um mm. and so that's kind of like you know the the emperor's got no clothes on sort of um scenario mm. and, and I think though the other thing that is is I think um I suspect is is part of you know what the value that people find in this podcast is that we are just ourselves. Like we don't, like you said last week, we don't have media training. We don't filter. We, we, it's like, it's not scripted. We don't have a format where we do, you know, this for this number of minutes at the start of the show. Then we go to a, there's not a set of questions that I send you to answer and you send me to answer. Hey, Raph, I'm going to talk about this and this is the way I want to go with it. It's just an actual, actual fucking conversation between (laughs) actual humans you know, like happening in real time. Bam. You know, like that's all it is. Yeah. And yeah. So thank you. Thanks for sitting around the table with us, everyone. Yeah. And I mean, and that is the feedback I've got as well is that, um, you know, our listeners feel like they are sat down with us. And and, um, and so, so if you're a listener, well, you are a listener, aren't you? Because you're listening. Yes. You're so, listening. so, you know, so, so for you who are listening, like, well, you know, I'd like to encourage you, and I'm pretty sure Chloe would like to encourage you too, to 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 take that and apply it to to your own self. You know, like be your actual self. You know, when you're in front of clients, or you know, don't feel like you need to put on some kind of like veneer of being like a quote proper, you mm. know, Pilates instructor, whatever the hell that is. It's still, it's still. Um 
And I'll be really, 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 really happy when this mentality dies out and this thought process dies out. It's still so common. I hear this so much from particularly from those starting out in their, uh, you know, training to be a Pilates instructor kind of thing, um, that you must look a certain way. Like it really is still quite a prominent thought pattern that not only must you look a certain way, but you must be a certain age. And I'd like to drill, and I feel like, you know, we have touched on this quite passionately in, you know, different episodes and particularly, you know, in our in our very first episode, our, our pilot, <laughs> where we kicked off on um, that our clients, you know, this this misconception that that a client needs to to look a certain way or be a certain size in to be able to be good at Pilates or to be able to do Pilates, there is that that misconception that a Pilates instructor should have a certain physique and uh, should, you know, execute each exercise with the long lines of a dancer and should, you know, uh, present themselves in a certain way and if you're past a whatever age, like I, I would like to drill into that a bit more because yeah. I think it's, not only do I think it's total fucking bullshit, I know it's total bullshit. Yeah. I can back it up with examples of why it's bullshit (laughs) from both personal experience and from, you know, what I see out there in those that are extremely successful in the Pilates stratosphere. Um, So, yeah, should we, should we delve into it? I think that's awesome because I think that's basically like myth number one of that people, even before they become Pilates instructors, it probably stops a whole raft of people from even considering yeah. this as a as a career choice because they think, oh, I don't have the right look, I'm not tall enough, I'm not thin yeah. enough, I don't have a big enough thigh gap, I've got the wrong posture, I'm too old, I'm blah blah blah. Yeah, and you know? and I'm too, I'm I'm not flexible enough. It's um, it it reminds me of the client that doesn't go to Pilates until they think they're thin enough to go to Pilates or until they think, no, I can't go to Pilates because I'm not fit enough yet. That's like the person, yeah, whenever you run into the person. Because I'm not strong enough yet. Yeah, you run into that person (laughs) and and they go, what do you do? And you say, I'm a Pilates instructor. And they go, oh, I've been meaning to go Pilates, but I just need to get into shape first, you know. Yeah, or, 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 you know what, conversely, I run into someone and I and they go, "What do you do?" And I'm like a Pilates instructor. Oh, you must be so flexible. To be honest, that's usually the guys on the on the dating apps. But I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, mate, think you've got me mixed up with yoga, maybe. But <laughs> funny thing is, I am absolutely not flexible. I would actually say I probably have average to subpar <laughs> flexibility. <laughs> <laughs> and I've been teaching Pilates for eight years <laughs> plus. <laughs> so again, it's a freaking, it's just an elephant. And it's yeah. like, you know, where did all these, so where did all this aesthetic bullshit arrive? Well, arise? I mean, you know, all right, so. Th- it's probably coming from like the, the I'm thinking the, the, well, it's like a media. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, Instagram obviously like, is a big part of it, right? So when people, it's just the natural process by which we all do want to look good. You know, if you could look good or less good, you know, most of us would prefer to look good, and especially in front of, you know, other people. And so when we post on Instagram, we all, you know, post, you know, we take a few takes and we make sure we stand with the light in the correct oh, place. And you I know, think there's people out there that are purposely not doing that, though. So there I'll, are a couple. I'll, I'll, there are a couple. I'd like to say we don't all. I would say the majority, and yeah. I and I would put my hand up and say I totally put up what I, in my eyes, consider to be the flat, the flattering photo. Of yeah, and that's I think that's only natural, you know. For, you know, yeah. and I'd you know, all right, not all, but you know, I yeah, think I like ninety nine percent of people. To, well, know, I'm thinking about you know the amazing Claudia of yeah, Cloud's Ways. But you know, she's but, purposely going to 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 break like like she's doing amazing things in the realm of trying to break that norm. Yeah, and we'll link purpose. we'll link to her in her Instagram in the show notes. We love she's Claudia. Awesome. She's a she's a freaking legend. But, B grad and absolute legend. But she's not she's not the average person. I say for every Claudia, there's probably nine hundred ninety nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine people who would uh you know put up 
only their most flattering images on social media. Well, she's she's paving. Yeah, she's doing great things to yeah. to to change. And and there's 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 a few prominent people um, on um, Instagram that are doing that, and a lot of um, people who are doing it in regards to you know creating body positivity, um, body neutrality as well. So it's like you know, so you're not obsessed whether your body looks one way or the other. It's like, well, this is my body. This is where my body is at today, mm. you know, which is a whole nother, you know, uh, discussion. But, um, yeah, okay, so, yeah. So social yeah, media, I think social media has got a big, you know, a lot to do with it. Um, and also, like you, like you kind of alluded to before, like that kind of ballet, you know, aesthetic from which the sort of the Romana school of Pilates springs, um, yeah, you know, so they're all about long lines and – you know, Woods, yeah. Ballet hands, you know, you kind of drape your hand a little bit with the f- middle finger down. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Well, what's interesting too, um, and I know I reference good old cage line a lot, and yes, I do love it. And if you're a listener, I can't yeah, believe I it's been it almost a whole episode since you've talked about it. Come on, if you have not read it, get onto it. It's like only like eleven bucks on Amazon. Put it on your Kindle. You've got no excuse. Free Kindle app on your phone, and off you go. Um, anyway. <laughs> Did you know that over eighty percent of people prefer to read paper rather than Kindle? Yeah, it's funny. You know how I used to be that person, Ralph. Because whenever you'd say to me, "Chloe, I'm going to get, you, I want to send you a book. You prefer paper, right?" I'd be like, "Yeah, always paper." Tell you what, now I'm all about just let's whack it on the Kindle and let's get through it. I consider that I a l- major victory. Do you? You, yeah. you probably That's have awesome. influenced me in that. Yeah. <laughs> Because I was getting frustrated at myself and not getting through books fast enough, and I find mm. that when they're just there, mm. uh, I have I, I get through it a lot a lot faster. But anyway, um, I was also so my reference to Cage Lion wasn't just because I like talking about it all the time. Oh no, um, was <laughs> okay. Thanks, thanks for clearing that up. <laughs> I'm not getting any cuts in sales of the book either, guys. Like this is not a out, paid of, the, out of that eleven dollars. How much goes to you? This is not. <laughs> This is not a paid partnership. That's the that's the vibrator partnership that we've talked about. Uh, you know, Come on, earlier episodes. female empowerment <laughs> product. Female empowerment. <laughs> if you're like, whoa, where did Chloe go with that one? You've got to listen back to the last couple of episodes for the for the context there. Sorry, guys. Um, but no, what I wanted to say was that what was really interesting, and John talks about it in the book Cage Lion is that following Joseph's death and with the emergence of, you know, Romana and um, the new, you know, taking – they made the studio pretty. They took on the new – opened the new space. Well, it was called a studio, not a gym. It was called a studio. Um, However, there was also – I'm thinking about Ron Fletcher's studio in particular Mm. and Ron Fletcher being another one of the elders and he had quite – he started to get quite the celebrity following. So the glamorous movie star of the day. He had Raquel Welsh. He had Raquel Welsh, you know, and you'd look to the side and there's Raquel Welsh, like mega, mega. So that's why she was so gorgeous, all that Pilates. I was all the – it was obviously – gave her those long, lean muscles. And, I, guys, I'm doing that in the little air air quotes, quotes, by the way. For God's sakes, air quotes. Don't quote me on that. And anyway, that when – and he started to talk about it, started to become like – a fashion symbol and a fashion status, right, yeah. to go to Pilates. So you saw the emergence of the um, the sexy leotards and the ladies were coming in in like their head wraps, you know. It was, my God, it was like. This was like the high cut leotards 70s. Over, over leggings, right? High t- high yeah, leotard, yeah, yeah, but very stylish. It wasn't quite into the G-string leotard aerobic okay. situation yet of, you know, the early 90s. It, this was more like that. 80s, early 90s. This was more the really style. Like, think of like the styles of the 60s and the 70s. Mm-hmm. Like, this was glamour. So perhaps things started from there, and there was you know the aesthetic element kind of got wrapped up into it, and yeah. So well, and now a lot of that we do have, um, you know, and there's 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 a very strong aesthetic kind of sensibility i think in a lot of pilates studios just in terms of the 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 physical studios you know like most pilates studios in you know that i've seen uh on social media at least are beautiful you know polished floors and pristine allegro two reformers and natural light and plants and you know all of that stuff 
Um, mm. it, you know, yeah, so it is. It is actually quite glam. It's glamorous, isn't mm, it? Mm, it's mm. glamorous. It's really stylish. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. I haven't sort of thought of it in that way. And in, the, in regards to the the physical space, yeah. yeah. And and you know that's not a criticism. You know, it's nice no, to have a no. nice space. But um, yeah, I think it's. I think. All of that, you know, probably contributes. And plus, I think there's just general societal pressure, right? So whether if it was uh, just going for a coffee, you know, people would probably still feel a bit self-conscious about their bodies, et cetera, if, if they're prone to feeling that. Mm. And so, you know, I think people but, – but I think it Pilates, it's probably exacerbated more because it's – you know, it is kind of practical and it's also the fashion in Pilates to wear basically like really figure – hugging, you know, clothing, yeah. you know, yes. I mean, you can't really wear kind of baggy flowing robes when you do Pilates because you get all tangled up. So That's it, the thing. Yeah. Anytime I've worn a baggy T-shirt and whatnot, it's just got annoying yeah. because it kind of gets in the way or it falls over, yeah. you've tied in a knot, but then you lay on your stomach and you're on the knot and it's yeah. just like, so it's actually functionally easier just yeah. to have tight-fitting Right, you know, and lycra then, on, and not think about your clothes. Right, and so if you're if you're in a situation where everyone's got tight fitting lycra on, and you're the only one in a XXXL oversized t shirt, um, well, number one, you just feel like a daggy idiot, probably. Um, and num- yeah, and it's like it kind of feels like everyone's body is on display. I guess you know. Mm. Um, mm, mm. And so, yeah, and I guess also, you know, a lot of that lycra, like if you're talking about Lorna Janes or Lululemons or, you know, what what have you, like that shit ain't cheap, you know. Mm. And and so if you're, you know, if you if you've got like cotton on leggings or whatever, mm. I don't know what's Walmart leggings, <laughs> you know, they're a bit saggy and pouchy around the knees and the butt, you know. <laughs> Um, you know, it probably doesn't feel that awesome walking into a space where everyone mm. looks like some goddess supermodel sort of hybrid. I'm thinking still about the the physical space as well, mm. and and now I'm also thinking about reformers, for instance. Mm. I wonder where there's been, you know, I mean, I've I've worked with a lot of different models of reformers, and I would say that some models of reformers are more well equipped with clients that are not of whatever we want to call some sort of averagey kind of standard height or or size or whatnot. Like I've had clients that are really tall. Like I'm thinking really like tall, broad dudes um, and they've felt like they're not of the right size to be able to be on, like yeah. the reformer. And, and let's face it, you know, they, most of them don't come back. Right, after their first or second session? Well, or what you need to do as a teacher and what I needed to do as a teacher was very quickly adapt the repertoire and just avoid certain repertoires. So something like laying on their back doing footwork was just like a no, like I'm just putting them in a position that's making them feel really yeah. awkward and non empowered and like they're, you know, yeah. like who made this carriage? <laughs> like yeah. what were the dimensions? You know, who designed this? And, and that's literally what they're saying. I think so, you know, got them probably, standing up, got them doing lunges or something instead. There's probably like something there quickly. about social norms as well. Like I just think like as a man, I actually don't like going to group Pilates classes because I'm the only man in the in the room like 99 times out of 100. And <laughs> It's <not> true. <laughs> and, you know, and if particularly, you know, if you're a big heavy man, you know, whether your weight is muscle or, or fat, right? Yeah. You know, Pilates is hard because it's all about controlling your own body weight, you know. Yeah. And so the, the more body weight you have, the harder it is, right? So, and if you're, so if you're a big kind of clumsy, galumphing, heavy man in this room full of like what seems, seems to be like, you know, svelte, you know, athletic, light women, you know, who are effortlessly doing roll-ups and things when you can't even freaking get your shoulder blades off the floor. Like if it just, you just feel like a fish out of water. Mm. And, and I imagine that's what, you know, women who perceive that they don't fit that image also feel, you know, like if, if, if someone comes in and they feel like, oh, I'm the only kind of dumpy looking one in here, or I'm the only one who can't touch my toes in this exercise, or I'm the only one who can't get my back straight in this exercise or whatever, you know, I'm the only one who can't do the full splits here. 
that, you know, I'm the only one who's got Kmart leggings on. Um, yeah, I imagine all of that, you know, it's just like yeah. a, a, a social mm. norm situation, mm. you know. Like if, you know, when you go to a restaurant and everyone else is dressed up and you've got a thongs and a T-shirt on and you just feel like, yeah, don't feel comfortable here. Mm. Mm. Okay, so we've established we've established why people might feel that way. Yeah, but I think that – I mean, we talked about clients, right, but I think that carries over to instructors and yeah. I think that instructors per se, you know, I think where, where, where instructors I think make a massive error here is they confuse being you know, good at the exercises and having the right look with being a good teacher. You know, 100% like, and I also, I also think that they think – Everyone's looking at them, yeah, judging them. Hundred percent. Whereas I, I've got to say, really, 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 really clearly, and if you need to repeat this a few times for it to sink into your head, please do. Everyone's just thinking about themselves. Yeah. Like seriously, your clients are thinking, "Shit, am I doing the hundreds right? Shit, how am I looking in my Lulus? Shit, am I fit enough?" Am I strong enough? Am I? Am I? Is everyone? Oh, 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 me, 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 me. They don't care what you do. They don't, they're not looking at you and judging you. Yeah. They're not. They're just, I'm sorry. They're just not. That's something called the spotlight effect. And what that basically says is that in, in most social situations, we feel like people are kind of looking at us and judging us, but in reality, they're feeling like we look, everyone's looking at them and judging them and, and they're not worried about us. They're actually worried about themselves. Wow. Yeah, I'll link wow. to a paper on that. Yeah, awesome. Because with that, um, I was I was explaining it to some of my students who were, you know, again, because I, I talk about it this um, – and sorry, Raph, I kind of cut off your point too. I have to come back to you. I think I cut off your point about, you know, I think we can talk about what, what is and isn't a good teacher, what makes a good teacher. But just on, on this whole um, thinking it's about us and I try and encourage this sense with my with my students of, of and I call it, and I, I don't know if this is a bit vague, but I call it pushing it out, pushing it out. It's not about you. It's about the clients in front of you. The experience Sounds like a, is like about a sort of a prenatal Pilates. Sort of, <laughs> no, yeah. Raph, don't wreck it for me. No, okay. It's about clients. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Got to keep pushing it out. So I'm talking about not internalizing that this 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 all about you, right? When uh -huh. you're there as a teacher, it's not about you. It's about the experience of those in front of you. So yeah. the more you can push it out, yeah. the more you can push it away from you as focus, right? The better. So I call it this push it out, push it, keep pushing it out there, pushing it out there. So recently I did one of Shaman's um, recorded masterclasses and, you know, it was like freaking awesome. He had me basically, I think I was, it was five minutes in, I was already shaking. <laughs> and of course, Shaman's one of, one of the trainers. Shaman's, yes, education. so Shaman's yeah. one of our amazing, amazing trainers, um, as are all our trainers. So, you know, I was like, oh, I want to do a reformer class. Awesome. I'm going to jump into our incredible masterclass library, which by the way, if you're listening, you can sign up for it. We can link into that in the show notes, Ralph. Okay, duly noted. Duly noted. We can just take a little note there. <laughs> hint, hint. Um, so, you know, you've got this opportunity to do masterclasses with our trainers. Anyway, I was doing a masterclass and this is my point. My point was, you know, I was five minutes in, I was shaking. Now I was like maybe 20 minutes in. I reckon I had looked at the screen at Shaman, maybe one, I'm not exaggerating, maybe once. In that 30 minutes, I'm not joking. Mm. I was sure. I was absolutely listening to his cues. I was listening to his banter. I was listening to, you know, his encouragement. I was swearing at him, being like, I don't think I'm going to do five more reps. Thank you very much. What the hell? And things like this. But I was not at any point looking at him and going, wait, wait, is Shaman doing the exercises? Is he doing them well? What's Shaman wearing today? I could not tell you what Shaman was wearing. I couldn't tell you. He could have had a bag over his head. I wouldn't have known. How was his cellulite? Was it okay? I, could, like, I, <laughs> I couldn't like, you know, like 
I'm not looking at the, you know, if I look at my instructor, it'll be because they've said something funny or there's a moment of beautiful connection in some laughter or some sort of joyous connection and I'm looking at their face to see the laughter. I'm looking at to get, you know, the or they've or they've said something to me, you know, or I'm giving them a thumbs up. That is the connection. And by the thumbs up, I'm talking about, you know, we're doing this online. That's what I'm looking at in my movement experience, yeah. right? But, you know, we flip that and me as the teacher, me there in front of the camera, I'm thinking, oh, is my hair looking okay? Is my makeup all right? Is this a flattering angle? Oh, am I sucking my tummy in in this position? Am I – do you know what I mean? And and so for me and I think for all uh, instructors out there, you need to – you need to, it's like this kind of like back and forward dance where you need to be able to remember what it's like when you are the client, right? You've got to be able to remember that. You have to be able to tap into that, I believe, um, A, to be a good instructor and B, so that you're not having all this head fuck stuff going on because that shit will kill your vibe right? That mm. will kill your vibe. Mm. That will dim your light. That will not bring your magic to the people in front of you. I, I as an instructor, I as a teacher, I am best when I'm in my flow state and I have forgotten every single, every single, like I no longer would even uh, have a concept of how I looked. Does that mm. make sense? Like it's just got, it's got absolutely nothing to do with my physicality. Mm. Um yeah, well, is that ultimately, did I just go on a really big no, wave? No, I, th- I think no, I think, the, and you know, I think that actually is the I'm same very point about it. <laughs> that I was, you yeah. know, that I was making before, which is that basically, the, it's not about you as the instructor; it's about the clients, right? The the the, the client is the hero of their own story. You're not the hero, yes. and if you think no. about, like, you know, if you're listening to this, think about, you know, instructors who have inspired you, you know, and the chances are there is someone or, or more than one person who've inspired you over the years. And mm. if you think about what about that person is so inspirational to you, it's like, I bet you it's not like, oh, they do the perfect splits, right? Or they've got a thigh gap or their posture is so amazing. It's like they, you know, held you to a higher standard. They believed in you. They encouraged you. They lifted you up. They took, they, they, they coached you to go beyond what you thought you were capable of, right? They gave you a safe space to learn and make mistakes and explore, you know, like, and all of those things are about, (laughs) all those things are about you as the client, right? The things that were inspiring to you are the way that they treated you. It's not about Mm. them. It's, you know, it's not about the instructor. It's about the client. So if you're the client, the story is about the client, right? So mm-hmm. the client's busy, you know, they're, they're Luke Skywalker or Princess Leia in their own story, right? Mm. You're Yoda, right? So <laughs> you're just some small little gnarled old green 900-year-old, you know, weird guy that, you know, you're there for a bit of comic relief, but actually your job is to help them be the hero, Right, and mm-hmm. so what shape you are makes no fucking difference whatsoever. What shape you are, what age you are, and I mean, you know, let's let's talk for a moment about the incredible uh, Michael. Our, I'm sure we've spoken about him in our podcast before, and if we haven't, we should have. Uh, Michael would be our oldest breathe edu crowd. I can say that pretty yeah, pretty confidently, can't I? Yeah, uh, I reckon. Yeah, so he graduated. Was it at seventy six? No, no, he enrolled at 78. And oh, he enrolled at yeah, 78? I think he'd be about 80 now. Okay. Yeah. Well, Michael, shout out to Michael. Michael's a phenomenon. He did his um, cert for with me in Sydney, and he went from at the start of the course, you know, needing – wanting props and, and whatnot for, for roll-ups. And there's nothing wrong with that. You can need props for the rest of your life or use props for the rest of your life. I'm not, you know, it's totally fine. Um, and being quite, you know, potentially a bit more fearful of different movements, et cetera, to by the end of uh, the end of the, the six months, um, wowee, talk about replicating Joseph Pilates in his images in Return to Life. Michael was in the full interpretation of the rollover and the roll up and um, 
by the time he graduated and he was one of our quickest graduates as well, I think, like he graduated like that, he was then teaching. So, he's at this point, he was 78, everyone. So, if you're sitting there going, oh, I'm in my 40s, I'm too old to be a Pilates instructor. I'm in my 50s, I'm too old. 78. And he was teaching packed out group mat classes to people of all ages. So, this wasn't the seniors class. This was like, you know, teenagers anywhere upwards could go, right? His class was so popular, they had to give him another one. They had to give him another one. And he wasn't teaching like pre-Pilates or whatever you want to call it. No, no, no. He was really stuck into yeah, teaching, teaching them. He was teaching the Contrology sequence. He was yeah. teaching the Contrology sequence from Return to Life. Like and and then when I spoke to him, I speak to him regularly. But when I spoke to him last year, he um, had just come back from. He just had his a second hip uh, replacement, so he now calls himself the Bionic Man. He's got two hip replacements, and so he was. I think when I talked to him, oh, maybe four weeks post full hip replacement or thereabouts, and he was already back to doing his roll ups and whatnot, and he was heading back heading back to teach his group group mat classes, I think, within the week or so after that. Michael's awesome. So, Michael's freaking awesome. Um, So, please don't let age be a barrier. And I actually find, and I've said this as well to um, other other Pilates, there's, there's something also, I think, within the Pilates realm that actually comes with a bit of, that, that actually uh, favours a bit of maturity as well and a bit of age. So, uh, what there's there's been some pretty not to say that you can't be a freaking and I've I've seen many incredible graduates come through who are 18 as well so you know age is but a number but if you're thinking oh will I be able to relate to you know those that are in the class well Raf wasn't there um, a study done of the average age of average age and sex no surprise it was females of Pilates participants in Australia yeah, that you were talk- yeah women in their 40s. Is the biggest, women in biggest their 40s. group, yeah, followed by women right. in their 30s and women in their 50s. Yeah. Um, and so it's basically women of all ages, but centered around the decade of the 40s. Yeah, and it's funny because when I look at my, I look at the stats of my followers on my Instagram page, funnily enough, it's the 35 to 45 age bracket women, yeah. predominantly 84% women or something, and the other are men. Mm. Mm. Um, so yeah, age age is not age is not a barrier. The size, your size, your how much space you take up in the world is not a barrier no. unless you make unless you make it a barrier. Mm. So I think I think that has to be said. Like we can make anything a barrier. Um, so if you make that a barrier, it will be. But just know that it is a fallacy. Um, the I. Yeah, it, it just is. I've worked alongside colleagues of all shapes, sizes and ages, and I truly mean that. Um, and So what uh, about, what about um, just kind of like now something more intangible, like kind of personality, right? Because this is kind of where we started out with, well, you know, you and I, I think – what I enjoy about these conversations is, well, one of the things I enjoy about these conversations is like, this is just a conversation, literally the conversation we would have on the phone if no one was listening, but we're just recording it, right? Like, we're not putting on a special, you know, it's not scripted, it's not This is my it's, podcast yeah. voice. <laughs> you know, I'm trying not to laugh too much we, we today don't, because we, it uh, makes me sound less smart. Yeah, and <laughs> you know, so this this is just like we're just being genuine, right? This is this is yeah, yeah. if you this came is over, you and I having a chat. That, yeah. yeah, if yeah. if we yeah. were just having a coffee, right? Mm. This and no one else was there. This is what we'd say, right? And this I is how we'd say we've it. Had many of those. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 I what I my sense is that you know for many people, many Pilates instructors. That's not how they feel when they're teaching, right, or when they're around clients. Is that they oh, feel like they, they need, need to, to put, put on, on their teacher voice? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I, look, I will say something to that, Raf, in the sense that I, because I've seen myself uh, on recording a lot. Like I, you know, there's a lot of recorded Chloe teaching in the realm since <laughs> 2020 and 2021, and I do watch myself back, and I'm, I do have a bit more of a teacher voice 
when I'm instructing a class. Mm-hmm. But I'm not what's interesting about that. And I notice that I do notice that with um, my instructor friends as well and with our trainers. I don't think any of us are consciously doing that though. So I don't think we're walking in going, we need to somehow announce, enunciate differently or whatnot. I think it's our teaching style, our own unique teaching style uh, that has developed. So I do think that my teaching style is not constructed on something that I think it needs to be because that is what a Pilates instructor is or how a Pilates instructor sounds. Mm -hmm. That's just me in my teaching mode. Whereas you and I talking now is me in my socializing mode, mm-hmm. right? This is me, you and I having a having having a good old chat. So I, I don't think it needs to be a construct. I think it's how you every teacher, and this is what I love about every teacher. Every teacher is totally unique. Mm. They find they've, and to me, that's finding your voice. That is finding your teaching right. voice. And and I guess so. What I, I guess, yeah. So I'm 100 percent with you. That like you know right. the way you are, you know, you, me, and everyone, you know, in front of a group is it. You know, we all have different kind of faces that we different aspects of our personality. I guess that we show. You know, like who you are around your mum is not the same as who you well, are it's around. Like your- kind of what cap you put on, isn't yeah, it? Like if exactly. I was out at my friend Fifi's bar. Shout out to Fifi. She's freaking awesome, awesome uh, business owner in, in Melbourne, you know, who's doing doing great things. You know, I might, you know, when listening to rock and roll, it might be a little more, you know, wild <laughs> listening to rock and roll, Chloe, you know, which might be different to you and I chatting on the podcast, which might yeah. be different to me sitting with a grandparent, which right. might be different to me sitting, you know, talking to my – like, so, yeah, we have But like, you're not yeah. consciously thinking like, oh, I better act this way because I'm at Fifi's. No. You know? And, exactly, and I, I think that you know many instructors. My sense is that in, that many people feel it as kind of a, uh, some kind of pressure that they have to put on a show. Maybe they're not big extroverts, but they feel like they need to pretend to be. Okay, okay. Um, so you know, you know that's sort of what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I'm quite sensitive to that because I am, you know, an out and out extrovert. I've, there's been times where, well, there's been times where well, I thought maybe finally, I'm after all these years, you're finally extrovert. telling me. No, Raph, Raph, you know, I've had times where I'm like, well, I do like, I do like a bit of quiet time. Maybe I'm an extrovert, or introvert, and then I'm like, and then I'm like, oh shit, wait, we're going you're into like five days one lockdown, of the and that means I'm going to be locked away from people. What the hell? <laughs> Actually, it was so sweet. Heath messaged me this morning. Heath, you know, uh, one of our other uh, trainers and lecturers. He's like, oh, Chloe. Sorry if I was a bit insensitive to you going into lockdown yesterday. I know as an extrovert it might be a bit tougher for you than it is for me as an introvert. I can't believe, Chloe, that you for a split second thought you were an introvert. It's like, what the hell? (laughs) So when I was talking, so yesterday afternoon I was in a, a Zoom meeting with Heath and Raph has this announcement to lockdown. They're both lockdown came through in Melbourne, and they're both like, "Yeah, okay, cool, chill." And I'm there like, "Shit, um, right? What?" <laughs> so, okay, so back to I. I am sensitive to this because I know that not everyone is an extrovert, and I am very adamant because I've seen it time and time again that some of the most extremely talented and gifted Pilates instructors are introverts. Hello, Heath Lander. And he's fine with me saying that. He would say that out and out that he's an introvert. Mm. But when he is in front of his students, when he is in front of his room, when he is in front of the camera, he steps into his authentic teaching voice. So he's not trying to be... Chloe, who's like a million miles an hour, or he's not trying to be Shaman, or he's not trying to be Belle, or he's not trying to be Raph, he's he's stepped into his, and and that means, sure, he's still ultimately an introvert, but he is able to conduct, you know, space to engage, to engage his audience, yeah, to 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 give that energy. Um, very successfully without needing to change his personality. 
Um, what do you like? How do you feel about that? Ross? Yeah, hundred percent. I think, and um, so definitely, I think Heath's a fantastic example because he owns, you know, who he is. Um, and another one of someone I used to work with for many years, Andrew Gardner. One, of, he was always one of the most popular instructors oh, yeah. at, at every studio I work with him, and I work with him at a few. I work with him for about a decade or more. And he was just like so quiet. Like his his teaching used to basically consist of him sitting on a reformer box at the end of the room in front of everyone and going, okay, do another five reps, four, three, and now switch to back rowing. Okay, you got another five. You know, like that was that was basically. <laughs> wow. And but his classes were wildly popular, wildly popular. You know. And, and, and I haven't done him justice the way he teaches. Like I've kind of done it in a deadpan voice and whatever, but yeah, like yeah, yeah, he had yeah. some kind of magic charisma. I was going right? to say, he's got a pull, right? Yeah. He, he found his tribe or right, his tribe found right. him. But it's, it was nothing to do with the razzle dazzle because he didn't, he didn't do razzle dazzle. You know, he yeah. just, he was so quiet. Like every time I'd walk past, cause I work, I work with him and we had a little window into the reformer studio. You walk past every time I walked past, he was literally sitting there at the front of the class going, okay, you've got another three, you know, like. <laughs> cause you were, so you would have been his boss, right? Yeah. Yeah. You were, yeah. yeah. I yeah. employed him for a, almost a decade. Uh, oh, and wow. I, I worked with him for like three or four years before that in Sydney at Elixir Health Clubs. There um, you go. Yeah. So. Uh, so, you know, I mean, he was incredibly popular. Like he was by far the most popular instructor, you know, at both studios. Um, and yet he just didn't, he didn't do extroverted, you know, it just wasn't part of his repertoire. Um, mm. yeah. So. Cause another thing I'd say about that too, is that, um, for an introvert, if you are, tr and, the, and, and I, I'm not speaking from experience, but I'm speaking from how Heath has explained it to me and how other introverts have explained it to me, is that if you try and do the inter introvert act, for want of a better word, you know, if you're going to try and feel that you need to put that on when you are teaching, you're going to get exhausted it's energetically yeah. really quickly. And so the, what was really fun uh, last Saturday when I was teaching my lecture, this was back before lockdown, Heath uh, was sitting in the same room as me. So Heath teaches a lecture, then I uh, jump in and teach my lecture and Heath sits in the same room. And after the lecture, I said to him, oh, I said, how did, you know, how's it sound? Give me some feedback. And he goes, whoa, you're really energetic. Like, you're really energetic. If I was that energetic, I might be dead at the end of the day. <laughs> and I'm like, well, if I'm not that energetic, I feel that 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 makes me feel flat. So, so I need to be truthful in yeah. my voice yeah. when I teach, right, because that is what propels me. That is what feeds me. That is what brings my best and my presence Mm. every single time to my clients or my students. And the introvert needs to also look after their energy to bring their best to their clients and their students. Mm. And I'm going to suggest that, you know, the, the way, you know, like, a, I guess a practical tip, you know, how to, how to do that, right? So we're talking about be yourself, don't try and pretend to be somebody else, you know, find your authentic voice. It's like, okay, well, how the hell do I do that? I think yeah, yeah. paradoxically, it's not by focusing on yourself, right? You said before, Chloe, that's like when you're in your flow and you're unaware of yourself, right? Yeah. That's when you're in your authentic, you know, happy place, mm. right? You're focused on the students. You're focused on on the the interaction between you and the students and and between the clients, you know? So it, it's mm. it's like the the more you focus on yourself and mm. think like, oh, should I be acting like this or should I be acting like that? It's like, that's going to just choke you up and, and make, you know, make you inauthentic and second guessing mm. yourself. Focus on the clients. They're the hero, you know, mm. cultivate a genuine care and regard for them, mm. you know, and, and care for their welfare, you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and, and your job is to make them the hero and, in, and lift them up you know, in whatever that way that means to get an extra three reps out of them, to encourage them to try that mm -hmm. standing lunge that they were scared mm -hmm. of last week, you know, whatever it might be, mm -hmm. like it's not about you. And the less you can focus on yourself and the more you can focus on mm -hmm. them, paradoxically, the more you'll live into your own authentic voice, I think. I was just about to say that. The, and the more actually you get back. Yeah. Like, like my cup is so filled with, you know, like 
my like awesomeness and gratitude and like like my heart is so full every single time I teach every single time and that is what has kept me in this in this industry in this career for as I said eight plus years now I I was prior to that I was never in anything as long as that ever and I've just had my four year anniversary with Breathe Education this week thank you so uh, and it's because of how pushing it out there and taking away from me you know actually ends up making me feel awesome as well yeah and so I think like you know know, it's a win-win if you're teaching like thinking you know thoughts like you know what's the right thing to say here or did I use the right cue or you know those are all the wrong questions you know that's because they're focused on you focus on the clients focus on what does the client need right now what's you know what's what what does this client need right now to get them to lift them up you know just half a level um Mm. you know like Mm. think about the clients don't think about yourself Mm. Mm. Um, another little thing that I found interesting, just looping back to um, in regards to being self-conscious about how you might look or whatnot, because that's not always, I don't want to also sit here and um, be inauthentic in that that's not something that has, you know, caused me choking issues in the past. Um, you know, you, well, sure, you would know that. We've all been there. We've all been there. But I've done a shit ton of work on it. And what was really, what was A, really confronting, but B, ultimately, I think um, my biggest revelation and the thing that really got rid of a lot of that head fuck for me was going online and all of a sudden, I my image was shining back at me constantly. Like I had to, like it, <laughs> For me, just accepting myself on screen and in video recordings as I was moving, as I was exercising and looking at myself with love and looking at myself from the eyes of how do I look at my clients? How do I look at my best friends? I tell you what, I never, ever, ever, ever does it enter my head that I'm looking at their physical size, like are they too big? Are they like, am I looking at like, you know, oh, that person's got a wrinkle or oh my gosh, that person's hair's out of place or oh, you know, like it doesn't cross my mind, right? Just doesn't. So why is it with me? Why am when I'm looking at a recording of myself teaching, am I looking at do I have rolls in my belly as I do a roll up or is there a bit of is there a bit of something squishing if, if you out? Do, and I tell you, you what, there's human. always a bit of yeah. something. Squ- I tell you what, you put some tight lycra on and you're going to have bits that squish. Even if you're a circus or the, acrobat, do, you still do you have know that. what I mean? Like, yeah, but the great thing is the more you can look at that and accept it, actually – the more you get, for me, that's really actually helped me get over a huge hurdle. Mm. And it's actually made me look at myself in a different way because when I look at myself on screen and I'm teaching and I look at myself in the moment when I'm in my flow state, I actually stop looking at the shape of my body or Mm. whatnot. And guess what I'm looking at? My smile. Mm. How are my eyes engaging with my with my clients? Or am I teaching a pre-recorded class and the joy that's coming out of my face? Or I've just said some funny joke in the moment that I think's funny. Or mm. you know, and I'm like, hey, you're like, you're great. You're cool. Like, good on you. Like, I'm looking at the feeling, and I'm looking at what's the energy that's coming through. And guys, that's what your clients are looking at. They're not looking at, is there some rolls? Is there some lumps and bumps in your leggings? We all have lumps and bumps in our leggings, Mm. right? They're not looking at that. And in fact, you know, maybe if they are, it's like, great, they've got lumps and bumps too. We're all normal, you know, because it can be really comforting too to go, oh, you know, we're all human. Well, I, I think that's where I'd like to end because I think that's such a good point. It's it's worth sort of uh, reiterating a little bit or exploring a little bit because I think, you know, we talked at the start about how clients can feel intimidated, you know, for about their body image, about their age, about their skill level, fitness, whatever it might be. And, you know, now we've transitioned to talking about instructors and those things. But I think it goes back and it feeds in because 
if I as a client come in, right, and I've screwed myself up for three months to do this and maybe I had a baby six months ago and I still haven't lost the weight and I'm feeling dumpy and out of shape and I'm stiff and my back hurts and I've got a bit of baby spew on my shirt and, you know, I, I finally get the courage to show up at this class and I'm feeling super self-conscious about the whole thing. And then there's this instructor who's just like absolute perfection and she's 19 years old and got the body of a prima ballerina and everything about her is grace and strength and flexibility. It's like that probably doesn't make me feel good, right? Whereas if I see somebody there who's an instructor who is like basically someone like me, but just in a bit better shape than me, right? But not like Cirque du Soleil shape, just like 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 me, just a bit fitter. Well, that's going to be much more inspiring. And there's good research on this, that people are, people learn better when they're actually emulating people who are at about their level Ah. rather than, you know, like, so if you wanted to learn to do a handstand, right. And you've never done a handstand before. Should you learn it off someone who learned it three months ago? Right. Or should you learn it off someone in Cirque du Soleil? Well, you should learn Ah. it. You should probably learn it off the one who learned it three months ago. You'll, You'll actually learn better. Um, wow. not because they're nece- not, and not because they're a better teacher, but just because we learn better. Because if you look at someone who learned it three months ago, actually when they're doing it, they're not perfect, right? They make a few mistakes, they correct mm. their mistake and you get to observe that process, right? Whereas when mm. you watch someone in Cirque du Soleil, they make no mistakes, right? They just mm. do it. It's a hundred percent perfect. looks like a photo from a textbook, right? Mm. And so you don't get to see the error correction process because mm. there are no errors, right? So actually, you know, I think, you know, psychologically that probably, uh, you know, uh, transfers to like when, if, if you're somebody who's feeling kind of intimidated and, and, you know, self-aware and anxious about going into an environment where you're feeling like I'm, I'm the kind of odd, odd one out here. Mm. And if, if the teacher is actually somewhat like you, right, maybe no baby spew on the shirt, maybe in a little bit better shape. Okay, maybe a little bit more flexible, maybe a little bit stronger, but not like get the heck out of here superhuman. You can probably relate a lot more and it's probably a lot less intimidating and probably you feel a lot more like, oh, I could I could be like that, you know, with a bit of work. I, I, that's something I could attain, you know. Mm. Whereas the sector Soleil person, you, th- you never think like, oh, oh great, if I work hard, I'll, I could do that. Mm. Yeah, totally. So. I think I think the really for me because I mean I think you know I I, I reflect on all the different um, clients I've had you know over the years and he, you know I've had everyone from literal supermodels to um, elderly to you know women about to give birth next week to teenagers to and everyone in between right yeah. and i've had an, an an incredible an incredible connection and rapport uh with 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 those clients of such a varying you know uh demographic or you know etc cetera, etc cetera. and so for me really all of that has come down to absolutely sweet fuck all to do with anything to do with how i look i might have been at my because i've gone through different phases over the last eight years there's been points where i've been as fit as I've ever been in my life, there's been points where I've been really unfit, all of in between, and I've had all that range of clients, uh, whether I've been unfit, fit, whatnot. To me, it's always just come down to me being my authentic self yeah. and just really giving an actual shit about these human beings in front of me. 100%. Yeah. Just seriously, guys, just bring you. Like no one else can do you. Just do you and bring your magic and don't let something to do with am I too old? Don't I look thin? Am I not not thin enough? Am I not fit enough? Don't let that ruin this for you. Like, you know, go out and shine. Do your thing. You're not too old. You're not too fat. You're not too thin. You're not too tall. You're not too short. Your thigh gap's not too small or too big. You're not the wrong shape. You're not too inflexible. You're not – you're just you. You're just awesome. You're fine. You're awesome. (laughs) You're awesome. You're awesome. All right. Good talk. Great talk. Thanks, Ralph. Yeah. See you soon. Bye. After two exercise science degrees and over a decade and a half of reading research daily, I've condensed all the current science on rehab into a program called the Clinical Exercise Specialist 
rehabilitation. Inside the program, I'll teach you to do three things. One, deeply understand how the body works. Two, confidently and expertly rehab literally any client. And three, get results for your clients. So ultimately, your clients tell their friends and you become known as the go-to expert in your area. This program is completely unlike any education you've done before, even if you've studied with us before, because of the way we've built the learning design. It's an online, flexible, skill-based learning program, which means you keep doing the skills under supervision until you're good at them. It's more of a mentorship model than a traditional course model. So rather than rushing through the content and having sort of one go at everything, you actually just practice live and we give you feedback and guidance and we dialogue and explore concepts together until you're highly skilled and confident. We just keep working the material until you get it. It's not rushed at all. It's not about ticking off the content. It's about engaging, practicing and applying it until you own it. This is a life-changing program, not some weekend certification. I've put my heart and soul into building this, and I can't wait to share it with you and help you discover your genius for anatomy and rehab. Now, because of the highly interactive nature of this program, we're only taking on 12 students worldwide. The program starts on March the 1st, and the first 12 qualified people to apply will be allowed to enroll. So if you're interested in learning more, click the link in the show notes and download the course guide or go to breathe-education.com and click on the clinical certification menu in uh, link in the top menu. That's breathe-education.com and click on the clinical certification link in the top menu.